And now, it's time for the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9. I love it. Say it one more time. Shake and bake! Shake and bake. Shake and bake. Shake and bake. Shake it. Bake it. Does that feel good? Yeah. It rhymes. They're both birds. Awesome. Blake Crawford. The Shake and Blake Bowl. It's at Bell Snyder Family Stadium. It's just our faces on center field. John Grove. I think for K-State, in order to be successful, you're going to have to open up that passing game. Bring you all things K-State sports and even more. And it's Shake and Bake time. Welcome, everybody, into the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9. It's good to be back. My name is Blake Crawford alongside John Grove, as always. John, we're back in the studio live on Friday nights at Wildcat 91.9. Yes, It's man. a great time to be a Wildcat. How are we doing? It, it's really good so far. Had a great week. Of course, highlighted by the game, as always. It, 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 feels, so, it feels so good being back. I mean, I just miss these sound walls, just how, how puffy <laughs> they are every single time we... They come here, I sometimes get distracted by it. So They're very aesthetic. They are. It's, it's definitely a vibe. It's a vibe. Um, yeah, you know, it's syllabus week, um, which is a bit hindered a little bit by, obviously, well, you were obviously hindered a little bit by, you know, being the first day of classes back when the KU game happened. You stood in line at 11 a.m. to get into the game. I stood there at 11 a.m. Nobody else was in tier three, so... I mean, I had a cold sandwich with me, <laughs> and it was just like an overlook of a football stadium. I was just eating it on on a tra- on the top of a trash can as well. So, I mean, I I, I had that spot saved for a while. The, what is a little bit disappointing though was that Bramwich doesn't allow camping right before the game. Like you know, like you see some of the bigger games like Duke and North Carolina, they have students camping out like outside of the arena prior to the games, uh, and, and K State doesn't allow that near, anywhere near, uh, near Bramlage. Well, I mean the lines. I mean that's kind of unfortunate, but the lines were absolutely they insane. Were I mean they wrapped around the indoor practice facility. Um, I mean, they guaranteed. I believe everybody, if they showed up before four thirty, mm-hmm. that they would get in. Um, I'm not sure if that was true, but they had to open a whole entire new section for students to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I was getting home. I had a class that ended at 345, then I had to drive to work to work the game. And I saw some guy looking like he was walking out to, like, you know, go to the game. I was like, man, if you're leaving at, like, 355, like, you know, was I don't it, know if you got a shot. Was it for the video board show? Yeah, it was for the video board. Video board show. What were you, what were you doing? I was doing shading. So doing, uh, Oh, you get the. So yeah, shading is a very easy job. For yeah, you it's, don't know it's very easy. for indoor sports because you know the, you don't have to deal with the sun. Um, so it was a pretty. I was training somebody too, so I basically just got paid to watch the game. Um, but the engineer majors are probably mad at me right now. But anyway, if it's your first time listening, uh, this is a K State sports podcast. We're live every Friday night from six p.m. to seven p.m. throughout the semester here on Wildcat ninety one nine. But we're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we're on eight different platforms wherever you get your podcasts. We're, we're releasing an episode every Monday recapping the game on Saturday and then whatever wacky stuff is going on in K-State sports. So make sure to check that out. Uh, we got a great show lined up for you. We're obviously going to recap the KU game and all the madness that um, ensued there. Talk about some of the Big 12 standings, what's going on on Saturday in the Big 12. Talk about some women's basketball, the new 2024 quarterback recruit, and then we'll preview the Texas Tech game as well. But first, let's get some plugs out of the way. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at ShakenBlake785 so you know when we're dropping new episodes. Uh, make sure you're following the podcast and leave a review wherever you are listening. And if it's a bad review, then you're going to suffer a wrath. <laughs> Sometime. Sometime. That's not How come true. I never brought that's, that up? That's not true. How come I never brought that Listen, up? Listen, you can feel free to be honest. Just know that our feelings will be severely hurt. 
Um, so let's especially get, mine, <laughs> especially John's. So you don't want to hurt John's poor feelings. I have feelings. Let's get to this KU game, John. Well, if you missed it, um, some you know KU or K State beat KU. You know, eighty-three to eighty-two in overtime. Uh, to say it was a decent game is definitely an understatement. Um, before mm-hmm. we get into anything, let's just let's get the ref conversation out of the way. Just oh, bury the hatchet. Um, I mean, the the way, if I were to prefer to see a bad ref game, I would prefer to see a game that's more physical and they're letting stuff go than all this ticky-tack stuff we're seeing. And it's not a one-sided thing. I think both sides were getting bailed by calls. I mean, Desi Sills was throwing up prayers and getting fouls, you know. That um, when it was 82 to 80, Keontae Johnson gets fouled by Jalen Wilson. That was probably a little bit questionable. Mm-hmm. You know, some of that stuff to start out the second half that uh, got called on us was very I think that was very questionable and there was almost no contact. It just kind of turned into the ref show for parts of the game and it just brought the game to a grinding halt, which is a bit disappointing for me. But I don't want to talk about the refs for five minutes. So if you have anything else to say, we can just get it out of the way and then move on. I mean sixty seven free throws, that's yeah, I mean, that's just a lot of free throws overall. I know a lot of people have been always pointing out this narrative when it comes to Fran Fraschilla, some of the other media outlets, whether it's ESPN or CBS. I mean, they, they, they kind of already know that there's been an officiating problem a case, I mean, in the Big 12 conference. So, um, we're, I mean, officials aside, uh, I'm just kind of ready to talk about the game. Yeah, let's just yeah, talk about yeah, the let's game. Just talk, yeah, yeah, let's yeah, get, let's, yeah. How about we, before we yeah. get specific and go you know, a little play-by-play, Let's zoom out here because let's put this game into perspective. I mean, where does this game rank in terms of the excitement, the importance of the win in K-State history, at least in recent history? Because to me – term, In terms of the win in this rivalry or – No, just the win in general. Because, okay. I mean, you think of in terms of great games that had high stakes. You think 2018 Kentucky, 2010 Xavier, you know, 2014 versus KU. 2019 against KU. 2019 against I – mean, 2018 against KU. I think it was January of 2019. Was that 2019? The Jarrow Windmill. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 2019. So, I mean, you have those types of games, and it's definitely in that, you know, echelon. I think it's – I would put it above the other two KU wins that we have in recent history just Mm because, you know, it went to OT – um, you know, based on the projections right now, we're going to talk about bracketology it later was, on and where K State is in rankings. I mean, we're a you know, it was a top fifteen matchup. Yeah, and we're up. We some you know brackets as we're going to talk about later on have us as high as a two seed. You know, so I mean, this team is really going places. Um, you know, in t- two thousand nine, two thousand ten, we didn't get the chance to beat KU. So I think a team of this caliber getting a win against KU, it's obviously not in the tournament. I still have. I would still put Kentucky and Xavier, you know, especially Xavier. I, uh, it's going to be Xavier. it's going to be really hard to top a, a game like that. Sweet Sixteen double OT, you know. Crawford's got a hurry. Oh, ah! you know. I mean, this just absolutely Gus Johnson losing his he's, mind. He's in shape. <laughs> I mean, just that's that's going to be a that's a high you know standard to beat. But it's I mean it's up there. Mm-hmm. And I mean just you know the stuff we've seen from football this year and then basketball. It's been it's been just an amazing time to be a K State fan and revel in this uh, you know these two great teams that we have with two really great coaches. Just uh, just all around chaos throughout. Well, for football season, I mean we I mean we knew that the football team had the talent and the amount of players to compete and win and win a Big Twelve championship. But in March, you you were you were considering you only had Marquise Noel and Ishmael remaining on on last year's team. Uh, once Bruce Weber got fired. And the next thing you know, you bring in all this talent with the likes of Keontae Johnson, Cam Carter, Desi Sills, Ebayami Giola. Uh, everybody has heavily contributed to this team so far. And the fact that we're standing at this point, at, uh, looking at a potential top four 
I mean, I mean, we're cont- we're contending for the Big Twelve. I mean, I'll just leave it as simple as that. We're li- we're competing. In, I mean, we're contending for one of the top three spots in the Big Twelve right now. When we were just preseason projected tenth, it's just it's just absolutely mind-boggling. And Jerome Tang, I mean, to me, he's the national coach of the year already. I mean, if 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 if, if we're already getting to that point. He's my national coach for the year, without a doubt. You know, I mean, we've got a long way to go, John. Obviously. Long way to, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got plenty I, of basketball to I, play, but, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's incredible to, to even think that we, that we would be at this point. Yeah, I mean, the expectations were, it's like, man, if we make the tournament, you know, like, holy cow, it's his first year and we make the tournament? You haven't done that in three years. But, I mean, you know, screw making the tournament. Like, let's win a Big 12 championship. Absolutely. And we're in a three-way tie for first right now. We'll talk about the Big 12 standings a little bit later. But, I mean, it's crazy. You know, K-State projected 10th in the, you know, the preseason poll. Iowa State 8th. And those teams are both tied for first place alongside Kansas. And K-State has the advantage right now because they won the head-to-head against KU. So uh, let's talk about this game, John. I mean, many twists and turns and drama and a roller coaster ride of a game. I mean, starting out, I think one thing that stood out to me just right away, you know, you got Marquis Noel guarding Grady Dick. Um, I think, you know, we were kind of thinking that, you know, Keontae versus Jalen Wilson and Dewan Harris versus Marquis Noel. But I think it was a really interesting decision for, you know, and I think that shows the kind of, you know, the the tiger, the lion that uh, Marquis Noel is to guard a guy like Grady Dick, who's a foot taller than him. You know, <laughs> and I think it actually went really well considering, you know, Marquis Noel is just such great hands and his ability to knock the ball out. I mean, he gave, you know, Grady Dick hell. He did not have a great game. I mean, four thirteen, one of eight from three. Uh, and, and, and he fouled out too. And heading into the game, Grady Dick was ranked in the top five in terms of three point shooting uh, in in the country. And yeah, I mean, he went one of eight on, on the night. I mean, that was just all around an incredible defensive effort from not just Marquise, but a lot of, uh, but a few other players as well um, that were just giving Grady Dick a complete hell hell of a night. I mean. I don't know, man. It was just, yeah, and I mean, speaking of Marquise Noel, I mean, we can talk about it. You know, he didn't have a great game. Four points, um, two of eight, didn't shoot it well. But um, I don't want to, you know, I don't think he had a bad game. I just don't think it was his game to kind of star. Because yeah. we talked about it in our preview. You know, I thought that, you know, they, we would run pick and roll and they would hedge and they would double. And, they, I mean, they rotate so well defensively. Uh, KU does. And it just – it wasn't his game. He didn't really have – he didn't really have a chance to get his. And I think, you know, it was big of him to kind of step away and not try to carry the game himself, especially when you've got a guy like Desi Sills who's absolutely – you know, he's the reason we got out to that 24-12 to 12 lead because of his extremely hot shooting. Well, I mean, it was an uncharacteristic night for Noel, as you mentioned. But – you you also have to point out for Noel's performance over the past three to four games. Uh, so far in the conference game, he's just been he's been stellar. I mean, in all those games and in, in conference season and particularly the Big Twelve. I mean, there's going to be other teams that are going to make adjustments. And the challenge for his six uh, is he's going to have to uh, um, elevate past those past those adjustments. Um, and it's not just Noel that's going to have to adapt to that, but there's going to be everybody on the roster uh, that should be aware of what to expect um, from the rest of the teams. Because once when you get, all, I mean, once when you really make it, I mean, we were talking about this with Aoka Lee last season when she scored 61 against Oklahoma. There's going to be a lot of teams highlighting her, highlighting her and trying to pin her down to prevent her from scoring. Same thing kind of applies to Marquise Noel. Um, so, uh, I mean. As we approach the midway point of a Big 12 season, um, everybody has just got to be 
fully expecting if they're going to have a big big out big outing um and and I guess this kind of applies for Dusty Sills now uh with with his performance uh as well but I mean there's going to be a few other players to keep an eye on. There. Yeah, I mean, Sills, 24 points, 7 of 11 from the field, 8 of 9 from the free throw line. And then you also had Keontae Johnson with 17 points. He was also 8 of 9 from the free throw line, 8 boards as well. Um, Naquan Tomlin had 15 points and 10 boards. I mean, I think it's real good of him to get a double-double, yeah. considering when you're dealing with Kevin McCuller and K.J. Adams, who are much smaller, you know, not much. But, you know, Naquan Tomlin had a few inches on him. You could tell he was able to tip balls and kind of, um, you know, give him, uh, give him some trouble in the paint. Well, on the offensive front, on the offensive front, and I was talking about talking about this earlier. If you take out Marquis Noel out of the scoring equation, uh, with him, with not just him and Keontae Johnson, K State's going to have to go to that next man up mentality, and they got that from Desi Sells. I mean, he only shot 27 percent beyond the arc hitting end of a contest, and he made two of three, including one that just, uh, man, that looked really good. I mean, but 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 pump back on Grady Dick, and man, it just looked really cool. And yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so, I mean, getting into this game, we obviously get off to that 24 to 12 start. Uh, you know, Coach Self calls t- two timeouts within like three minutes. You know, the octagon of doom is rocking. Life is good. But we all remember what happened last year. You know, we knew this, this KU team is too good to just get blown out, right? I keep getting PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a lot of great memories from the 2021 season. Uh, but we knew KU would find a way to get back into this game. They got back into this game with pace. You know, every time we would miss, and, you know, we were making some crazy shots to start. You knew that couldn't last. So some of those shots started to not go down. KU would push the ball in transition, and their their passing is just so quick. Even in the half court, um, they were getting a lot of good shots. You know, Bill Self, you know, just running some really great offense, and they got themselves back into the game. But we always kept it, you know, at that five point. You know, we went into halftime with a five point lead, but we never got them let them get a huge run and get too close. Well, I think part of KU's momentum as well was the foul. I mean, was some of the fouling situation on Keontae Johnson as well, eliminating. Uh, one of the higher sc- higher highest scores for K State as well. Yeah, we knew KU wasn't going to go down without a fight. Um, in our in our offense, just kind of you know, like I mentioned before, a lot of our offense before was just you know Desi Sills throwing up a prayer with his left hand, yeah. you know, making it and then throwing up the too little, you know, hitting a crazy step back three that I mean almost touched the jumbotron. I think. Um, so I mean, it was I was just a little worried that we weren't getting like the good shots. We were just making some crazy shots, and I didn't know how that would you know stay consistent through 40 minutes or as we later found out, 45 minutes. Um, so let's skip ahead a little bit, John, because it was a foul fest for most of the game. I think it was like five minutes without a bucket at one point in the second half. You know, 72 to 70 with one minute left after a big Marquise Noel layup. Um, you know, one of his four points, he still know how to come up clutch. Jalen Wilson gets fouled on some a questionable call, but anyway, he makes both free throws. Um, and then John, we have we have our moments. Keontae Johnson gets a steal. He's out in transition. He he goes up for a layup. He doesn't get it, and we're going to OT. And you just get the sense that you know, like when we had a possession before, we had the chance to score, and then we get a you know, KU doesn't get a shot off at the end of regulation. And we're out in transition layup with a team as good as KU and, you know, kind of the PTSD we've had of previous years. It's just like, man, that was our shot. I want to point that. Well, I do want to point this out. And I mean, despite missing the shot, that defensive, uh, that defensive pressure that Naquan Tomlin put uh, when he, when he re- reached over and, and got and stripped the ball over, um, 
I mean, that was a fantastic defensive uh, possession. And you know Bell Self, he is one of the best coaches when it comes to these uh, big, I mean, late situation moments uh, in the game in which you're, you're going to expect a shot. Like, we, I mean, with Foshai Baji last year uh, when, he hit, when he hit a shot from a right wing uh, and KU eventually won the game. But K-State's defense, I mean, I mean, sure, but defensive presence inside the paint wasn't there. But beyond the arc, I mean, it it was just it it, it was just all over, and they had their opportunity and just kind of connect and eventually led to overtime. And heading into the game, K State was, I believe, four and zero in overtimes as well. So I mean, that was that was definitely one one big advantage. But I was like, all right, it's KU. But I mean, you're you're coming in with a four and zero record in overtime, so you've been in this situation before. I mean, this team has a has had a flair for the dramatic all season. Whether it's dunks and crazy plays and behind the back passes, and all these close games that go into overtime. Can uh, you imagine if he made the shot though? That would have been crazy. Oh would have been gosh. would have been crazy. Just want to remind you, you're listening to the Shake and Blake here in Wildcat 91. Now with Blake Crawford and John Gover recapping the KU game. So we're in overtime. Um, you know, feeling a little apprehensive going into overtime, but when you think about. I think the thing that gave me hope is you think Kevin McCuller and KJ Adams are not in this game. And I mean, they're put in, I don't even know his name. That one white dude, Zach Clements. Yeah. Zach Clements who, I mean, let's just, <laughs> he didn't look like he belonged to be out there and it kind of proved to be true. But, um, you know, I think that gave us a lot of hope considering we still had Nick Wontama for the majority of overtime before he eventually fouled out. Um, the start of OTs, another foulathon. KU leads 82 to 80 with a minute 15 left. And then we get kind of a, that questionable Jalen Wilson call I talked about yeah. earlier. Keontae Johnson goes one of two from the free throw line. That was his only miss of the night. So we're still down one with a minute six left. And we're just thinking, is that going to come back to haunt us? Um, but, you know, Bill Self calls that timeout as, oh my as Jalen Wilson just, I mean, who's having the game of his life. I mean, let's just sidebar about Jalen Wilson. I mean, oh, my gosh. Holy smokes. You know, later on, Grady Dix fouls out in overtime. So three guys have fouled out. Dewan Harris is a total. I mean, he had three points the entire game. Kevin O'Connor had zero points. Um, you know, Grady Dick had uh, 13 points, I believe. Uh, 16 points. 16 points, Four, my apologies. Uh, one of eight, yeah, one of eight but from three. Point being, I mean, Jalen Wilson's 38 points. He was their entire team. Yep. We knew the ball was he, going to him in had, OT, he and he Lawrence, delivered a lot. He had Lawrence in his, he had Lawrence on his entire back. And, and again, KU had a loaded starting five um, when, when, when the tip-off occurs. But beyond that, there's a significant drop off a bench. I don't know if there's any recruiting recruiting problems that might, that might occur later on in the future. I mean, I well, I, we could just flash this back to the uh, last episode when we were previewing KU. I wasn't fully sure about the situation in regards to K State's bench, um, especially when it's up against KU because. I mean, you you've had one person outside Noel and Johnson that has been able to step up when needed to. But I, I was expecting for Kansas to have more guys who were good enough to close out some of the basketball games. And, you know, when we go back to some of the games, I think they played like Harvard real close. Some of those guys stepped up. But with that being said, I mean, the lack of depth tremendously hurt the Jayhawks. I was, jeez, it was like it was a massive hangover. I mean, you lose K.J. Adams, uh, one of the strongest players in the paint, and Grady Dick, who was, who, who was able to shoot uh, from threes everywhere except for that night. And... All of a sudden, you you bring in Bobby Pettiford and Zach Clements uh, into overtime. I mean, that's just a bad setup play for Kansas. And I was and really to me, then that's where I thought K State should have really took 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 the advantage there because, I mean, it, it, if you were able to con- capitalize offensively, I mean that 
likely could have been the game because Jalen Wilson, he couldn't do, do it all himself uh, like we learned throughout the years. I mean, it's not going to be one person that's going to fully take over unless if he's just Aoka Lee. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that's a bad setup for KU late in the game. And then on the K-State side, you had Naquan Tomlin. He already fouled out. You had Marquise Noel. He had four. And other, and a slew of Wildcats that already had three fouls uh, as well. So foul trouble on both sides. But K-State already was contributing from Keontae Johnson and Desi Sills. So they had no urgency uh, in regards to the foul situation. Yeah, I mean, K.J. Adams, you know, talking about his stats, I mean, he's the second-leading scorer on the team with 17 points. He was 6-6. Mm-hmm. Six of six. From the field, um, didn't do as well at the free throw line, 5 of 10, um, which is where KU definitely yeah, struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking about this earlier. I think I attributed that to just ball don't lie. I mean, you think about the the places where they miss free throws. A lot of them were preceded by questionable calls. They got many boos by uh, the K-State student section. So I just feel like that was kind of, you know, the basketball gods delivering their karma to KU. But, you know, that's, that's just me. I mean, they – I mean, they, they – I, I don't know if it's just for us, but I've never seen a program that gets bailed out more often than Kansas basketball. And I and I said this right before the show as well. I've never been more happier to see a group of fans suffer in the most brutal way possible. I mean, I mean the the way I mean because it's just Ish Masood's head when K State won the game, his head was out of bounds like like two seconds left. One of the assistants on KU on KU's bench pointed that out, and I think Grady Dick might have as well, but the refs didn't pay attention some of them are kind of old as well they should not be on the basketball court um but num but nonetheless they, they kind of got it they got got a taste of their own medicine yeah okay you definitely left a lot of points on the table at the charity stripe 24 of 34 only 71 percent compared to k-state's 78.8 percent um john you mentioned kind of the final sequence um how about we just kind of get in the mood here yeah, let's, i've let's got do it. three different play calls of the final two plays from this game, you're going to hear from John Shambi um, from the ESPN broadcast, Wyatt Thompson, and then uh, Wildcat 91.9's own Kobe Van Camp of the um, final uh, few seconds here. Here's Noel. They go lob. Johnson. Oh, boy. All right. Now it's Kansas's turn. Here comes K-State. There's the lob for Key. And he stuffs the ball. He got the stuff. Keontae Johnson now with 24, and K-State leads with 20 seconds to go. Harris. Harris lost the handle. And it's over. K-State knocks off number two. 83-82, your final. Here we go. Here's the inbounds. Harris, 10 seconds to go. Nine seconds. He's got it at center circle. Six seconds to go. He'll drive to the left towards the baseline, loses the ball, he's on the floor, one second to go, it's over, it's over, it's over, Kansas State has won the game, 83-82. I actually grabbed the wrong one that didn't have Kobe in it, but you can go to his Twitter and he's got both of them there. He's got got both of them. Make sure to check out Kobe's Twitter, he's always doing some good stuff there. That was one of the highest pitched moments I've ever heard from Wyatt Thompson. (laughs) He was like, it's over, it's over. I mean, he, he he is an absolute legend. I mean, he just finds the best ways to, I mean, call those situations. I mean, just just it was just an absolute ball of chaos. Yeah. All around. Yeah, I mean, you know, the fans were storming the court. There's notably the guy in the green shirt who is oh, like, yeah. I mean, it's just like. <laughs> <The> manager. <laughs> there's probably more than like half a second of double zeros, and this guy is just storming out there. He was, you know, 
you stayed ready, definitely. <laughs> the thing that surprised me is that KU, well, two things. Jalen Wilson did not, I mean, Jalen Wilson or Juwan Harris did not have a ball. And I'm be, and and second of all, they took it to the left side when all all game, they've been controlling the right side with Jalen Wilson going up uh, and either getting the two-point basket or getting fouled uh, as well. So, I mean, I was just a little bit surprised, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, K-State, I mean, defensively had one of their best outings. Uh, and then with one second to go, Keontae Johnson just threw the ball in the air, and uh, then I got a little teary-eyed as we rushed the court. <laughs> <laughs> you got you got emotion. What was the experience like on the court? Uh, I mean, I was it was like completely stuck. It was kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> Not a, it doesn't. It's not, not like, as great as on television. It's not like the Oklahoma State game because you got like fresh air and all that. Like you are outside. <laughs> you, I mean, and 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 like the football field is a lot bigger than the basketball court as well. So you're gonna have plenty more space. Basketball, the basketball court is just like completely full. I, I mean, I was just there was a lot of people sweating as well. I was just like, oh no, thank you, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. Uh, so I, I mean, I, I I stormed the court for like. Ten seconds, like all right, I'm 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 leaving, uh, because it was just like, because I I mean it was, it it was just crazy down there. I mean, yeah, I'm sure it was. I'm, I mean, you was. got to say you were there, so you know you can tell I, your I kids did, about I, it. I did listen. I mean, I I did see Jerome Tang on the podium, and he was doing the doing the KSU. Was a, we're expected to win, as well. So, which yeah. is another thing I wanted to point out as well. I mean, he, I mean, whatever it comes to to. The press con- I mean, first press conference, and ele- and he says we're going to elevate. Next thing you know, after KU, so I'm gonna. That's the only court storming we're gonna give you. We're expected to win now. I think that sounded really cool. Yeah, I mean, this could be an end of an era for court storming, given that I mean, if we continue to be as good as we have been through this season, we're just gonna expect to win. I mean, yeah. even against a team like KU, or uh, you know, against a team like Iowa, or whatever the next you know top Big Twelve team is, because it just seems to change so much, but. Um, well, here, here. Well, in 2009, so uh, kind of a quick flashback. We played number one Texas uh, in Bramlage, uh, just a week or two prior to playing KU, and we beat we beat number one Texas, but we didn't storm a court. We were in the top 15 at the time, but we didn't storm a court. It, it it just feels like it's for it's for, it's in the sense of a rivalry. That's KU, and on top of that, flashbacks of 2008. Michael Beasley, Bill Walker, Jacob Pullen, and the fans started piling up a court. I think I think history kind of says it's it's always more towards the University of Kansas and not anybody else who's ranked number one. Yeah. Besides, I think it would be cool to recreate 2014, where Thomas Gibson is in the student section, Holly Rose there. Oh yeah. And I mean that's a to- that's definitely like a cool atmosphere thing as well that looks just as nice. Um, I mean, let's you know talking about what Jerome's saying is in press conference kind of transitions us into his commentary on the FKU chant, which was obviously prevalent um during the k-state game i have pulled up his clip from the press conference after kind of talking about his thoughts on it it's a little long but i wanted to let it play out to get his full thoughts on it and then we'll um give our comments on it well i was really disappointed in um the introduction when our our students started chanting the the fku chant um it's like crap i hadn't i hadn't gotten it across yet you know and uh there's work to be done and and then at the end of the game, when they were on the, the floor and, and they started chanting it again, you know, I, I just, I really want them to understand that we don't have to 
degrade the other team. We can dislike them all we want, but but let's 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 cheer for us. Let's just let America hear Kansas State and not hear the other name. Whoever you know what I mean. And so um, that that that's all that's about. I, I I believe like we can have a terrific culture here uh, because of the passion of our fans and. You know, somebody has to say it, right? We just can't like, oh, that's kids to be kids. That's not, somebody has to say it. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I if we're losing, then maybe my voice doesn't carry as much weight, but thankfully God's put us on, given us this platform. We're winning, it's his platform. And, and I can speak on some of those things because this is a special place and man happiness, you know? I mean, this, this is a really special place and, um, I want the country to know how special it is not be known for the dumb chant. Definitely a powerful message by mm -hmm. Jerome Tang. I mean, we gave some comments on what he said pregame in our last episode. I think our main gripe was his kind of taking, like, the, saying that it's not a rivalry with KU. It's just like any other game. But I think, you know, given the status we're at now, he's gone, you know, said what he's wanted to do. He's beat KU in his first year. I think, you know, I think – the last three years, I think the chant has kind of just come out because we didn't really have anything to root for in K-State basketball. So it's like, well, you know, we're not going to make the tournament. What if we could you know, stick it to KU? Like, you know, that'd be fun. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's going to gradually turn into more about us and, you know, everything Jerome Tang has said about loving K-State and him wanting to bring that energy, you know, to every K-State game, which is it going to happen probably it's it could be close but it's just tough there's that i think it's just different when you're playing an in-state rival like he, ku he wants to have everybody and everybody outside of manhattan know what k-state is and not civil point it was like oh uh but, but, the, the one thing we know about k-state is that they have an obsession of hatred towards ku i mean they just want i mean he he wants it to be fully about us kansas state university I mean, you know, it's like an example. I work at the K-State Welcome Center uh, during the summer. It's, um, I'm trying to put it into words. It's like you want to have a good impression on the university instead of, uh, instead of having another school live in your head rent-free as well. Yeah, so, if you listen yeah. to Scott Van Pelt's interview, you know, Scott Van Pelt, he's a Maryland guy, and they t he talked about how the Maryland-Duke rivalry, you know, there was a lot of hate, and it got really intense, and it became more about the other team than it did about themselves. And it became more about that university more than the university the, the university that uh, was, yeah. <laughs> so uh, kind of just in conclusion, I think the FKU chant – can you know probably kind of slowly die it's slow lit, slow death thanks to Jerome Tang he got rid of it playing random people well, no, at no, football I mean, games but uh, it's i mean they'll, they'll, they'll always bring it up when KU comes uh comes into town so um and, and at the same time it, i feel like the FKU chant kind of slowly faded as the game was near nearing its conclusion as well so i thought that was pretty good as well yeah, I mean, you know, he mentioned it did come up a little. I don't, did you hear it at all when there was the court storming? Cause, I, mean, I didn't. I didn't hear it at huh? all. So it must have, he must have just been like a few people because um, Tang has talked about it on a couple. He talk, mentioned it there. He mentioned it um, during his radio show uh, with Wyatt that he heard it, and that's why he went up on the um, the podium or the, you know, the media 
Umbro to kind of talk and get the KSU chant going. So um, I think the student section going forward and, you know, the Octagon of Doom as a whole is going to be a really cool environment given how the success we're, we have and we are expecting to have. Um, so I think this it's going to be back to where, you know, we thought we wanted it to be when we were looking for a coach and we were talking about what, you know, Bramlage Coliseum could be like with a good K-State basketball team. And, you know, he knows these fans are passionate. And, you know, when good basketball comes, we, we've delivered so far. And I think we're going to continue to deliver. We're going to deliver tomorrow at 1 p.m. against yeah, Texas Tech. Um, you so- already got a few sold-out games. Uh, Florida, Iowa State, Texas, all those games are sold out. So uh, when you're talking about Bramlage last season when it was just – there was just not a lot of people in the stands watching these basketball games. And, and now we're getting to the point where we're getting about – 90% full capacity to, well, I mean, KU, I mean, we're just going to call it Doomsday because that's always going to be sold out. Uh, I mean, but the Octagon Doom's always going to be uh, raising hell when, when KU is in town. Um, but w- some of these other games now, you're going to get an 80 to 90% capacity. And I just think it's 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 really great seeing it come back and, and, and bringing it in. I don't know what, what, it, what how to say it, like assert its dominance a little bit. Kind yeah, of, it, like coming back, like right, raising from a dead or something. I, yeah. I, I, I just don't know. I so, don't know. So, kind of to wrap this up in conclusion, I mean, it was one of the greatest games in Bramlage Coliseum's history. Um, definitely up there with a few other games. One of the greatest games in K State history in terms of the importance of the win and just the general excitement of the game. And it's going to be really exciting to see what this team does going forward. We're off to a great start. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of opponents to play, John, and a lot of tough teams here in this Big a Twelve. Lot. We may only be halfway through, but it's 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 things are going to get absolutely crazy, John. So, John, let's take a quick break. We'll talk about Big Twelve standings and Saturday slate for basketball. Go over the latest bracketology, do some women's basketball, and preview the Texas Tech game next on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. And we're back on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. We just recapped the KU game. <clears throat> Let's go around the Big 12 a little bit here. Let's talk about Big 12 standings first. It's so great to talk about this, John. At the top, you got your Kansas State Wildcats at 5-1. and one. KU and Iowa State are also 5-1, and one, but K-State's got the tiebreaker over KU. Um, K-State is playing Iowa State after the Texas Tech game on Tuesday, so a lot's going to be decided here in these next few weeks. And KU's got an absolutely brutal schedule coming up. they got to play Iowa State. they got to play TCU. they got to play Kentucky. You know, they got to play us on January 31st. Um, you know, it's in Allen Fieldhouse, but that's still going to be a tough game. So we'll see how they do in this tough stretch going forward. And then you got Texas and TCU, which it's crazy. Texas is, you know, a top 10 team right now, and they're fourth in the Big 12. TCU, who's a really good team, you know, at 3-3. Three and three, And then Baylor's at 3-3 three and three as well. You know, they started 0-3 in conference play. Baylor did, John, but they've kind of got their mojo back a little bit, getting three straight wins. And then you've at the bottom, you've got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and then K-State's opponent tomorrow, Texas Tech, who's at 0-6. But, I mean, don't get it twisted. Texas Tech is still a very good team. If you placed them in the Big East or the Pac-12, they'd be, they, they'd be the top <laughs> team in, in the comp. I mean, you, you yeah. can't even deny it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Not I mean, at all. Not maybe not one of the maybe one of the top teams, but they'd be good. You know, this it's just crazy how good this Big Twelve conference is, and it's about to get a whole lot better next year. Uh, let's talk about the slate of games on Saturday, John. I mean, 
12 noon at CBS, TCU, KU. That's going to be a heck of a game in Allen mm-hmm. Fieldhouse. Iowa State's taking on Oklahoma State at 1 p.m. Uh, also at 1 p.m., ESPN2, you got Texas Tech, K-State. But, I mean, you don't need to watch it. You'll be in Bramblage Coliseum anyway. Yeah, you better be in Bramblage Coliseum. <laughs> and then you got Baylor, Oklahoma, and Texas, West Virginia. Texas, West Virginia, 5 p.m. on ESPN. Getting a little primetime love for Saturday night. Let's get primetime. to some bracketology a little bit, John. Yeah, let's do that. Um, I've got three different uh, bracketologists and where they've put K-State. Um, and I think there's one of them I think would be the dream scenario because um, I think it would be really fun. Let's start with Joe Lenardi. Um, right now he's got K-State as a four seed playing in Orlando against Southern Illinois, the Salukis? Yep, uh, the Salukis. those long dogs. <laughs> okay, uh, Houston is the number one seed in that region. UCLA is the two seed. That's a winnable region. Yeah, I think that would be – I think Houston's got a knack for um, – choking anyway uh rmb american athletic conference yeah um give them a taste of you know what's going to happen when they join the big 12 uh eight teams in the big 12 are projected to be in the tournament according to joe lenardi only topped by the big 10 who has 10 but they've obviously got a few more teams um let's go to jerry palm of cbs sports this one is my favorite john so get this so joe lenardi had k-state as a four seed ku is a one seed K-State and Iowa State are two seeds. Three Big 12 teams are one and two seeds. Just unbelievable. Um, They've got K-State in the Midwest region, two seed in Des Moines, Iowa, playing Youngstown State. And get this, John. Youngstown State. Yeah, and if we would win, how about this, John, for a matchup? If we were to beat Youngstown State hypothetically, Jerry Palm has our opponent as Missouri Missouri. or or USC. So I think that would be fun. You, I mean, you could play Missouri, obviously. You, you have some history with USC in the tournament in 2008. 2008, it was uh, Michael Beasley yeah. against one of USC's top players as well. It was Mayo. O.J. Mayo, yeah. Jim Mayo, yeah. Um, but, yeah, looking at that, I, 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 it, they previously had Colgate as a 15 seed. And, uh, sorry, just, I mean, the, the Midwest Regional Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, it's, it, it's at the T-Mobile Center in it's Kansas a, City. It's in so. Kansas City. And, and the great thing about it is that K-State, yeah, I mean, K-State's in the Midwest region. They put KU in the East region, which if they, if they go to the Sweet 16, it'd, it'd be New York, I believe. Yeah, New York. Um, but, man, I mean, can you imagine, like, if there's any – Type of scenario. Well, I mean, even even Jerry Palm has KU playing in Des Moines as well, and Iowa playing in Des Moines uh, too. I mean, so you have like KU, K State, Missouri, and Iowa. Maybe even Iowa State as well. Because I mean, because it, they're very really close to Des Moines as well. Uh, so I mean, if you get all those fan bases, I mean, it's going to be a hot ticket to get into the Wells Fargo Arena. Yeah, that would definitely be insane. We got one last one here from Kevin Sweeney of Sports Illustrated. He's got Casey as a three seed in the East Region. Um, they have us playing in Princeton. I wasn't able to find out what town we'd be playing in for that. I didn't find that out either. Okay, yeah. Um, but if we were to win, it'd be Duke or Wisconsin. Um, Alabama in this region would be the one seed, UCLA the two seed. Um, another region, I mean, you'd feel pretty confident about. But seeing look, seeing Wisconsin on there, it might be Des Moines, just kind of with a, with a regional okay. distance. Um, uh, be, with those schools, um, yeah, K-State and Wisconsin. So um, I think Fox also had something similar uh, to that. I think they had Duke and Wisconsin in there as well, except the seeds were changed. Uh, here, let me take a look back at that. Duke was a seventh seed, and Wisconsin was a tenth seed, and we were projected to play Kennesaw State, not Princeton. Okay. I mean, Sports Illustrated, they have us as a three seed playing Princeton, and then you got Duke and Wisconsin as a six and 11 matchup. Um, yeah, I mean, you gave the opportunity to play Duke, 
as as a higher seed as well. <laughs> yeah. This is a perfect time to get Duke. I mean, I yeah. Mean, <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, you, you, in terms of football, I mean, Duke is the the Alabama basketball. Yeah. But I mean, they're very even worse than Alabama football this year. I mean, they are, they are, they're circling the drain with North Carolina and Kentucky. I mean, but, but those blue bloods are a hot mess. I mean, that it's a perfect time to get to get Duke if there's any chance at too. Yeah, that would be crazy. I mean, play Alabama in football, play Duke in basketball. That would be really fun. But, of course, I would love Jerry Palm's version where we're obviously a two-seed and then getting the chance to maybe play Missouri. I don't know, man. I, I'd lean towards Lenardi's because that's a winnable – that's a very that is winnable true. region. But, I don't know, K-State being a four-seed in the tournament, I get <laughs> I get, I get PTSD from that. Uh, <laughs> hey, but, but, hey, SIU was in blue and gold, so we, you don't have we to gotta, worry about we got to check our, uh, our, turn, our, our uh, region to make sure there aren't any sneaky mid-majors who can come into the Elite Eight and spoil our run. <laughs> oh, wait, I lost it. What? what? Oh, the, you know, we've lost the two times we made the um, Elite Eight. We lost to mid-majors. Why, Blake? Why? No. Stop giving me more PTSD. I just, I... <laughs> Stop. Just just having some fun. That's the, just... second, that's the second time you have to bring up. Now, now I got more pain. Uh, uh, I choose to remember just, the Xavier uh, game over the, over the Butler game. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I, that Xavier. Well, maybe that was a letdown game because because when we beat Xavier, put up 100 points on that might have yeah, been a Yeah, we letdown. were probably just and gassed, but, Butler, too. Butler was playing its hottest basketball that yeah. year under Brad Stevens as well. So, uh, man, March is coming up, dude. March is coming up. It's I, I'm ready to hear that March Madness music as well. It's just like, yes, yes. Uh, put it in my veins. Inject it into my veins, please. Yeah, it's March is always always a fun time. March Madness is one of the greatest things in college basketball. Um, all of the madness that um, it occurs. So um, we've broken down some bracketology. Um, we're gonna end the show by doing a little women's basketball, talking about what they've been up to the last few games, and then we'll talk about K State versus Texas Tech tomorrow on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. And we're back on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove live here on Wildcat 91.9. Thank you so much for listening. Hoping you're all going to have a great weekend of some basketball and some playoff football. We already already got some basketball. Yeah, we're playing (laughs) some uh, VCU Richmond going on right now on ESPN2 that just went to the half. Men major. Um, But make sure if you want to get a recap of everything that happened over the weekend to check out Jasmine Halliburton, her show Run It Back with John Grove Monday nights here on Wildcat 91.9. Get your thoughts and make sure to listen to the Shake and Blake podcast as well, releasing on Mondays of our recap of the Texas Tech game. Yep. So let's get to some women's basketball, John. Um, it feels like it's been a little bit since we've talked about them. Um, there's probably a reason why it's been a bit of a rough stretch um, yeah. for this women's basketball team. Four straight losses, back to back losses by 20 plus points against Texas Tech and Baylor. They fall into 12 and 7, 1 and 5 in conference play. Um, thankfully, they're playing TCU tomorrow night in Bramlage at 6.30. It's a doubleheader. They're spread apart, though, so it's at 1 p.m. for Texas Tech and then 6.30 for um, the women's basketball game. So you can you know, go and get some food and then come back energized and ready at Bramlage Coliseum on Saturday night. Um, TCU is in ninth place at the moment, so I think this team has got a good shot to snap their four-game skid. 
But, John, I mean, based on what you've seen, what do you think the problem has been for this women's basketball team these past four games? Well, looking at the shooting percentages, I mean, K-State uh, against Baylor in particular, Baylor 18 of 60 of 60 when it comes to shooting. That's that's 30 percent. Um, they they got they did get a be, some better numbers from Gabby Gregory, but she was four of nineteen uh, um, as well. So um, not just not the best nights for some of these Wildcats. Serena Sundell had ten points, and you got Jalen Glenn. She had eight rebounds to go with eleven points uh, as well. I mean Baylor. I mean they had three players in double figures as well. One with nineteen, um, eight, and another one with eighteen. So. I mean, Baylor has just um, – I mean, it's never easy winning in the Ferrell Center against Baylor, especially in women's basketball. Um, but it's just not been a lot of a, a lot of offensive input from this team lately. Yeah, they've got TCU tomorrow, and then they're at Oklahoma State on Wednesday. Then they travel to Lawrence for the Sunflower Showdown January 29th. Now, I mean, you talked about Gabby Gregory. She's been the star of this team um, for the pretty much the entire season. It doesn't help the last few games. You know, she has two and 13 points respectively mm-hmm. um, against each team. And also it doesn't help when, you know, Texas Tech, I mean, they shot, what, 53%. Brianber Scott has 37. Yeah, she, I mean, was, she was. She was absolutely balling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's just been a tough stretch. You know, you know, you know, Jeff Mitty's a good coach, and he's going to get this team together. You know, Briley Glenn had a good game um, in their last outing against Baylor with 24 points. So, if you get, you know, and I mean, there was four in double figures, I believe. So, if you get an output like that from Briley Glenn, or you see what Sheriff Samatsi is able to do, um, she's, you know, uh, able to score and shoot the threes well. If you can get some help with Gabby Gregory, I think this team can still do well. You know, can still try and get some wins together and uh, make the NCAA tournament because there's just so much momentum after last year. Everything that happened with Aoka Lee, all the notoriety she got. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to the tournament, you win a game. You know, you you play a decent ten minutes against uh, NC State, um, and then you know, I mean, NC State's you know they're one of the best. Yeah, they were one of the best teams, teams in college basketball. So um, it wasn't you know a surprise, but I mean, just to you know build that momentum that you had last year. Um, it's kind of just a shame that you know you're going through this four game skid right now. You, you, if you think a four game skid is 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 brutal, I mean TCU's lost six consecutive, so Ooh. they're still looking for their first conference win uh, of the season. All right, well, I mean, make again, make sure you um, stick around in Bramlage 6:30 p.m. to watch the women's basketball team. So let's get a preview versus Texas Tech, John. Let's I mean, do it. I mentioned they're 0 and six, but um, I mean, they're a good team. They are a good Some team. close losses all around, you know, KU, TCU, Oklahoma, Baylor, Texas, all these games. You know, they got blown out by Iowa State, but the, yet they have a two-point loss to Texas. Um, just, you know, the Big 12 madness. They lost Kevin McCuller. They still have Kevin O'Banner as their top scorer. Yep. Um, Ninth leading scorer in the league with averaging 15.1 points per game. Uh, he's been he, he's he's been rebounding. As well, uh, ninth most in the Big 12 is 6.3 per game. Just an old almost friend alert. We got Antoine Davis on the TV screen right now because he had the most threes in NCAA. We don't need a bunch of cupcakes. We don't need them. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Cloud chaser. Anyway, let's get back on track here. I think my main question for this Texas Tech game is, um, can Marquise Noel bounce back or, you know, bounce back after having two statistically bad games? Um, you'd think with, you know, given his personality, his playing style, I think he'll come out aggressive playing against Texas Tech. And, I mean, it's going to be tough. You know, they've got, they're have got they a good rebounding team. They've got some tall dudes. Um, you know, they've got some trees in the paint. But 
I think this is Mar- this could be Marquise's Noel's bounce back game to get back on track and assert himself. You know, he was um, he was part of a top fifty for the uh, Oscar Robertson midseason award uh, alongside Keontae Johnson. So I think if you know we were talking about him as a national player of the year candidate, and I think he still got a shot to you know at least be in some sort of you know a ballot for that and be in the running for it if he can bounce back here against Texas Tech. Especially, and I think another player to keep an eye on for Texas Tech, Pop Isaacs, has 36.7% from three, uh, three-point range beyond the arc. So he'll have a he, – he, uh, if K-State tends to blow coverage, he may get up a, a few threes as well. But um, looking at Texas Tech defensively, um, they're the worst team in conference play when it comes to the turnover margin, 15.7 turnovers per game. But, but the worst they had was 19 against Iowa State. I mean, the second worst was 19 against Iowa State. They had 23 turnovers at TCU. And they weren't able to recover them bad as well. They, I mean, like, they weren't able to um, – uh, what what's the best words to put it? They, they weren't able to um, return the favor as, as well. They were, uh, they were forcing um, only 11.5 turnovers. Uh, that's, but that's, third, uh, that's tied for third worst in the conference as well. So – um, on the offensive end, besides O'Bannon and Isaacs as well, it's good, it could be a long stretch for Texas Tech, especially um, if K-State's able to create a massive presence um, uh, um, with their defense beyond the arc. I mean, it's kind of scary playing a team in the Big 12 that's 0-6. Yeah, because like... they're going to have some urgency because um, <laughs> they're going to need to find a way to win before March arrives. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know Texas Tech isn't a, isn't just like a you know team that's going to pull – is in Iowa State that's going to go 0-18 or something like that. I mean, this is a team that's going to win some Big 12 games, and they're bound to do it eventually – so you you know you don't want to be you don't want to be the team that you know gives them their first win and lose to a team like Texas Tech. So um, that kind of brings a little bit of scariness from the fan perspective. Um, K State looking at it is favored by five and a half points in this game. ESPN's BPI got us is a seventy three percent chance to win. So I think you know I think ESPN's BPI is adjusting for um, you know what the octagon of doom brings mm-hmm. for this K State team. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what we get from some of our guys like Cam Carter. Naquan Tomlin had another great game and what he can do in the paint. You know, we didn't talk about kind of his the silly turnover he had near the end of the game where it just seem, it seems like the game is still kind of going fast for him where he doesn't he can't you know, he wasn't just immediately thinking like pull the ball out and we can just stall and take the last shot. Um, so it's going to be a really interesting game and to see if we can, you know, because, um, I mean, I think you talked about it. It's a possible letdown game after such a high mm-hmm. from beating a team like KU. Jerome Tang obviously understands that, you know, it's only one win. You know, let's, you know, take a day off and refocus and get ready for Texas Tech. And I think that is the main key to the game. I mean, from a K-State perspective, you just can't be dealing with a letdown situation. Kind of similar to the, to the Texas road trip when you won back-to-back. Next thing you know, you host Oklahoma State, a really good team defensively. That kind of set up for a little bit of a trap game, but K-State was able to manage manage to find way find a way to pull it out. I, the same way may apply to Texas Tech in that sense as well. All right, we got 90 seconds, John. What's the reason K-State's going to win this game? <laughs> Texas Tech's only averaging 65 points, and they're giving up 75 in league play. They can't close out games, and there's just no resilience on, on either side of the ball. One of the youngest teams in the league, Kevin O'Banner, of course, is the only one uh, uh, that, that's returned on the team. A lot of it, the rest of the players are either transfers or they're just incredibly young. K-State's ranked 37th in offensive efficiency, 38th in defensive e- efficiency, and they're solid on both ends of the court. Experienced, talented, well-rounded. 
I think they're going to soak up the limelight in this home game, dispatching uh, just for reeling Red Raiders. And I do feel it for them because Texas Tech, if they were in a different league, they'd be they'd be curve stomping everybody. <laughs> yeah, I think the reason we're going to win is because because um, of our, our great passing. We're averaging 18 assists a game, four more than Texas Tech. And I think we're gonna, you know, I think we're gonna see Cam Carter get his shot back and start making some jumpers. Ish pursued, you know, knocked, did his job. I think he's did his job really well. You know, knocked down a couple threes, made the big play at the end of the game to dive and you know, um, throw it out. Even though you know he may or may not allegedly possibly been out of bounds, but um, I think he'll, you know, I think our bench play and our passing is gonna be the reason that we win this game. So thank you so much for listening to the Shake and Blake Show here on Wildcat 91.9. We'll be back wherever you get your podcasts on Monday to recap the Texas Tech game and back here live on Friday to preview the next K-State matchup and recap matchup before that. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at ShakenBlake785. Leave a review your life, your podcast, and Casper 90. Casper 90.